That's right. A fourth straight win for the Kansas City Chiefs. And not just four straight wins. Your Kansas City Chiefs pulled the number six seed right now in the AFC. I don't know how you cannot be excited as a Chiefs fan. I, I, if, if you are still pessimistic, and I understand a lot of people were still a little hesitant because of what happened last year. Kansas City's biggest win last year against the Seahawks. Next thing you know on Thursday Night Football, less than a week later, they drop a game against a then-winless Raiders team. This year, Chiefs fans wondered if something similar would happen coming off their biggest win of the season against the Denver Broncos. And I get it. Phillip Rivers uh, probably the best quarterback the Chiefs have faced this season. So Chiefs fans needed to see a strong defensive performance. And guess what? The Chiefs went out there and just shut down Phillip Rivers and the San Diego Chargers. Now, yes, the Chargers are banged up. They're missing a couple key pieces from that passing game. But, hey, look, the Chiefs are missing Jamal Charles. So if you want to talk about injuries and whatnot, first of all, that's all that's like I've said the past couple of weeks, guys, that's part of the game. And you've got to take advantage of it. And second off, the Chiefs are without their star running back, one of the best offensive weapons in the NFL. So to an extent, that's an even playing field. Uh, no one's 100% at this point. A lot of people banged up. Uh, some players are playing hurt. And then, of course, injuries have forced players to be sidelined, uh, something coaches, uh, players, and obviously fans never want to see. But that's the way the game works sometimes. Uh, you know, I've said it. It's unfortunate, but injuries are part of the, the game. Uh, they're part of sports. And uh, as, as, a, as, a, as an opposing team, you cannot apologize if your opponents are missing players uh, due to suspensions or injuries. You go ahead and you take advantage of that. And the Chiefs have done that lately. And here we are. About to recap a fourth straight Chiefs win. Chiefs now at 500 with a 5 and 5 record, uh, a complete 180, and that's exciting to see. Big thanks for you, the listener, downloading and listening to this edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm of course your host Farzine Vasugian. Be sure to like my Facebook page, Facebook.com/sportscasterfarzine, and also follow me on Twitter. At Farzine21, interact with me, like my page, follow me. Love all the interaction with you guys, week in and week out, and throughout the week, uh, before, after, and during games. Uh, love the interaction with you guys. So please continue to do that, uh, as always. Uh, real quickly, we are having just one podcast this week. We're gonna have our recap on this podcast, and then our preview later in the show as well. We'll also do our around the NFL segment that we do once a week. All of that's going to be on one podcast. Generally, we have two different episodes a week, but because of Thanksgiving week and also a big happy Thanksgiving to all of you who celebrate that, uh, we will be doing just one podcast. So it'll be a, a bit of a longer podcast since we are uh, we, we basically have a fully loaded show here with our uh, recap and preview. So uh, if it's too long, be sure to listen to one portion of it. At some point this week, and then later in the week, listen to the rest of it whenever you get a chance. That's the beauty of podcasts. You don't have to listen to it all in one sitting. Once again, big thanks for listening to this edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. And listen, I I know a lot of Chiefs fans were pessimistic, and I think that five-game losing streak really derailed a lot of Chiefs fans' confidence. And listen, I, I understand what happened during that week, or during that time span, I should say. Uh... So much had happened at the time. And, you know, with the Royals being in the 
postseason, eventually winning the World Series. So many fans focused their attention to baseball rather than football. And look, I understand if if a football team is one and five, and your baseball team is in the World Series, everyone's going to divert their attention to the winning product. And you know, for what it's worth, uh, the Royals garnered all the attention, and again, rightfully so. Anyway, ever since they won the ALCS, the Chiefs haven't lost a football game. So, uh, I, you know, I, I, maybe we owe the Royals on this one. I don't know. Uh, but but nonetheless, uh, if you did tune out of Chiefs football, you're certainly back in it. Uh, whether you're even pe- still pessimistic, which, again, I, I'm seeing the amount of pessimism go down. Uh, here's my case to Chiefs fans. At this point, 5-5 five and five after that Really brutal start, and again, I understand there were short weeks and also a, a really tough schedule, but that's still, to me, not an excuse. And I don't think Andy Reid would would use that as an excuse either. At this point, to be five and five, to win four in a row, and to own a six seed right now overtook Buffalo. I mean, the Chiefs have leapfrogged their way in the standings. All you could ask for as a Chiefs fan is a chance. In week six, or after week six, I should say, the Chiefs were one and five, and they owned the number one overall pick at the time. Had the season ended right after week six, the Chiefs are drafting first. What happens five weeks later? There are less Andy Reid critics. I mean, a lot of people calling for Andy Reid's job. Five weeks later, Chiefs own the sixth seed. That is exciting, and. Props to Andy Reid because he has taken a lot of heat, and I complete—I've said this all along. I completely disagreed with the fans saying that Andy Reid should be let go. I never thought that was a solution for the Kansas City Chiefs. I no way that I think that was a solution just for one bad season with with the Chiefs. Uh, look, you went eleven and five and nine and seven your first two years, one bad season, and you're ready to drop the hammer on this guy. I mean, let's remember Andy Reid came to a Kansas City team that won two games in 2012 and he decided to come here so he can turn this franchise around and he did that with a 9-0 start in 2013. Uh, so I think Chiefs fans need to just settle down and and really kind of breathe. And look, I get it. 1-5? Andy Reid's never been 1-5 in, in his NFL career for as long as he's been involved in the game of football as a head coach. This is his first time uh, dealing with a one and five start, and what did he do? He found a way to coach these guys up. I I don't know what happened uh, right before that Pittsburgh Steelers victory, which started the winning trend for the Chiefs. But something has gotten the Chiefs rolling, and I'll take it. Would you rather be, you know, at this point one and nine or one and ten, being all upset and frustrated? Thinking about who's who you're going to take number one overall, or would you rather have a chance in the postseason? I know a lot of fans want to talk about draft placement, and to me, draft placement has never mattered because the Chiefs haven't had a lot of stars in the first round, I guess, for lack of a better term. D4, I think the jury's still out on him. Marcus Peters, yes, he's off to a great start. At the same time, we've got to understand it, it is a little early for him. Things could go down. Maybe he continues to, pl- to play at this level. Eric Fisher hasn't been very good. The Chiefs did have a top five pick for three consecutive years, drafting Glenn Dorsey, Tyson Jackson, and Eric Berry, and only one of those players have panned out to be a Pro Bowl caliber type of player, and obviously that's been Eric Berry. So 
To me, draft placement doesn't mean anything. A lot of Kansas City's top best players have been third-round picks in recent history. Jamal Charles in 2008 and Justin Houston in 2011. So I'm I'm not stressing too much over draft placement. Even if the Chiefs lose in the first round of the playoffs, if they can hold on to one of the wild card spots, maybe win the division depending how things go for Denver, uh, that's fine with me. I'd rather have a shot in the postseason than talk about having a top five pick because the Chiefs haven't necessarily had the greatest luck in the first round. All right, all right, I mean, let's. And the Chiefs aren't the only team. A lot of teams have had hit and miss players in the first round, so it's not like it's a Kansas City thing. This is this is common all across the board in the NFL. A lot of great college players get drafted early, and in their careers, just don't pay, they don't they don't live up to expectations, really. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I mean, it happens. So forget about draft placement. If I can urge one thing to you Chiefs fans, don't worry so much about draft placement because the Chiefs are going to draft well, not just in the first round, but in other rounds as well, as they have the past few years. Going into the Denver game, and look, I'm not the, hey, I, I told you so, but I have to take a moment and brag for a moment because... Right at right before the Denver game, I talked about the possibility of making the postseason. After the Denver game, I went on Twitter and I said that the Chiefs have a great shot at making the playoffs when I laid out the schedule. Some of you guys laughed at me on Twitter. Some of you guys even admitted that I was crazy. They've got a six seed now. That's where we are with this football team. And I'll admit it sounds weird, especially after that start. But hey, I'll take a, a weird turnaround than being in the bottom of the league competing for the number one pick and I know you guys would too so the Chiefs they've got it now I do want to say one thing because there are still a few Chiefs fans that are naysayers and being critics and I I don't know if that's just Chiefs fans trolling or what the case is but if you're a naysayer still about the Chiefs sliding by against bad teams or bad offenses I mean the Steelers, of course, they had Landry Jones. They didn't have Ben Roethlisberger. They were also without Le'Veon Bell. The Broncos, very bad offense, as great of, of a football team the Broncos are this year. And then, of course, you've got the Lions and the Chargers, uh, two teams that just haven't been very good this year. So if you're still on that ship where you're, you're, you're not convinced, I'll tell you this much right now. Because the Chiefs not only beat the Steelers, Lions, Broncos, and Chargers, The Chiefs handed all four of them their worst losses for 2015. The Chiefs beat the Steelers by 10. That's Pittsburgh's worst loss in terms of point differential. The Chiefs scored a season-high 45 points on the Lions and won by 35. That's also Detroit's worst loss in terms of point differential. That's also the most uh, points the Lions have allowed this season. Kansas City scored 29 on Denver. That's the most amount of points Denver has allowed in a game. That 16-point victory over the Broncos, that's the most uh, uh, marginal defeat for the Broncos this year. And the Chargers, I said it last week on the podcast, guys, the Chargers have been very competitive despite being 2-8. and eight. Now, I understand, you are what your record says you are, but you also need to know how, how do teams end up with those, with, with those records, good or bad, or, or, or mediocre. And the Chargers... As I said, in all of their games prior to this game against the Chiefs, the Chargers have lost one game in a blowout fashion. The rest of their games, win or lose, 
have been decided by one possession at the end of the game, that, uh, in terms of the final result. So that 31-14 to loss to the Vikings, that was the only game the Chargers were involved in that was one-sided. So for the Chiefs to come in here and go to San Diego, possibly for the last time at San Diego, we'll see. But for the Chiefs to steamroll the Chargers on the road 33-3 to to give the Chargers their worst loss of the season, that, that says something. The Chiefs, again, like I said, they're not just beating these football teams. They're handing them their worst losses of the season. And speaking of the Chargers, the Chargers had a season low in scoring and total offensive yards. Again, you can talk about injuries and whatnot. That's still Phillip Rivers. He's a guy who can make everyone around him better. The Chiefs went out there defensively and terrorized him. Didn't let him do anything. And there are two sports teams that we've had in recent history here in the Kansas City area that are starting to remind me of the, of the Chiefs right now. And I'll give you one right now because and I know... A lot of people here are not KU fans. They're Missouri Tigers or K-State fans. But hear me out on this one. But this Chiefs team, the way they've played the past four weeks, starting to remind me of the 2007 Kansas Jayhawks football team. And I'll explain why. The Kansas Jayhawks in 2007, a lot of people were not so convinced with that football team because they didn't beat anyone. Uh, they didn't beat any, any credible teams. But when you looked at KU and the amount of points they scored, even against those bad teams, they blew those teams out of the water. I mean, they scored 50-plus points in uh, in some of those football games, which is what you're supposed to do. So my response to people who say that they just beat the uh, a Steelers team without Landry Jones or they beat the, the a weak Chargers team or, or a bad Denver offense – well, the Chiefs handed those teams their worst losses of the season, so why haven't other teams been able to do that? It's saying something for Kansas City. Second of all, I think to still beat Denver on the road like that, that's still huge because the Denver defense, like I said, Denver's defense has been incredible. Probably one of the best defenses I have seen since I've been watching football. And to see that the Chiefs score 29 points, on Denver, that's the most Denver's allowed in a season. Like I said a moment ago. So when you look at the 2007 Kansas Jayhawks to wrap up that comparison, a lot of people still ranked KU, and eventually KU climbed their way in the rankings because of the way that they just blew out their opponents, which is what you're supposed to do. And the Chiefs have done that in the past four games. Now, a different comparison that I think a lot of you Chiefs fans. Uh, no matter who your college team is. You'll love this comparison. The other comparison I'm seeing, the 2014 Kansas City Royals. The team that made a late surge in the second half of the season, owned one of the two wildcard spots, and from that point on, the, the Royals just went out, went on a tear in the postseason. 8-0, and making it to the World Series undefeated. And, and now look, I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to make it to the Super Bowl, and do it in such a crazy fashion like the Royals did. What I'm saying is right now, the way the Royals played in the 2014 regular season, the Chiefs are playing a very similar a very similar style, for lack of a better term. Because these are two different sports. We've got to remember that. But the Chiefs are doing what the Royals did in 2014. Having that late surge in the second half of the season. Taking advantage of an easy schedule. 
the Royals did beat up on a lot of bad teams in the second half of that 2014 season. And a lot of people were still not, not so convinced because of the easy schedule. So what do the Royals do? They go wait no one in the postseason. They swept the Angels, a, a team that was heavily favored to make it to the World Series that year. So you never know if that could happen to the Chiefs. I hope a lot of you guys are seeing the comparisons that I brought up. Maybe you noticed the Royals one before, especially because the Royals have, uh, I mean, they've stolen our hearts. A lot of us still remember that 2014 postseason, even though it was more than a year ago. And obviously this past postseason outshines the other one because it's a World Series postseason, vic- uh, postseason victory. Uh, but but still, the, the, the what happened the previous postseason, still on our minds because of how incredible that was. And it was obviously Kansas City's first in 29 years. So the the Chiefs are really starting to show a lot of signs of those two teams, the uh, 07 KU football team and the 2014 Royals. Uh, I say more so the Royals with that second half surge they're they're making right now. They're really finding a way to step up. And like I said, uh, the Chiefs were one and five worst team in the NFL after Week Six. Right now they own a wild card spot. And at this point, if you're a Chiefs fan. You've got to be appreciative of this because all you can ask for at this point is a chance. And the Chiefs have found a way to give themselves a chance. And that's the most exciting thing about this football team. I was listening to Sirius XM Radio and I don't remember who the host was. Like I said, I recently uh, had purchased this uh, Sirius XM package and I really enjoy it. I really do. I love the NFL channel on there. And I was listening to uh, their evening host, and he said the dangerous things, and he was referring to the Chiefs when he said this, the dangerous thing about teams that are the worst in the NFL, which the Chiefs were at one point, they're willing to toss out the original plan and come up with something new. So even if you do study uh, this team on film, you're going to get something different because they know what they're doing is not working, so they've got to come up with something different, and the Chiefs as you've seen, they, they've definitely played better. I think Andy Reid's play calling has certainly improved. Still some room for improvement there, but people are not complaining about it because the team's winning. That's what winning does. Winning masks a lot of the errors that a team is making. And Andy Reid, I, I'd still say, is making some questionable calls as a, as a play caller, but it's not noticed as much because the team is winning football games. Andy Reid's play calling management, however, that has certainly improved this season. Uh, that for, And I hope you guys have noticed that. I'm sure you have. Uh, the Chiefs are definitely doing a lot better with managing the game clock. The biggest thing I still want to see the Chiefs improve on, and they did this in the first half, is scoring more touchdowns. Now, of course, you got Dontari. By the way, Refrigerator Perry's got nothing on Dontari Poe. Ontario Poe, now the heaviest player in the NFL at 346 pounds to score an offensive touchdown. But the Chiefs should have had another one. Uh, the Chiefs did drive in the in that late uh, first half. Alex Smith tried to get it to Travis Kelsey. Kelsey got the touchdown. They rewarded him with the touchdown. But then they reviewed it. Notice he dropped it. Uh, I do like the execution on that drive to get close there. Of course, the, uh, the finish... Not the, not the kind you want. You've got to be able to wrap it up, keep it, and add more points to the scoreboard. But the Chiefs are putting themselves themselves in position to get more touchdowns. And look, uh, they got 33 points. Not all of them were offensive touchdowns, of course. You got a big defensive touchdown from Justin Houston, which we'll get into in a moment. But the Chiefs found a way to score in this football game. 33 points for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
They're they're not only winning and beating these teams in blowout fashion, they're playing a lot better. They're playing better as a football team. There's so much talent on this team. This would be a wasted opportunity if the Chiefs did not make the playoffs. And to be at this point right now, sure, you'd love to have Jamal Charles, but again, you've got to go with what you're dealt with. And the Chiefs are finding ways to work around some of their woes. You also lost Philip Gaines, who I think is a very solid cornerback. But the Chiefs are doing something about it, trying to find ways to get over that that hump. And here they are. Sure, Kendrick West uh, had a 47-yard catch-and-run play, uh, did get hurt in this game. Spencer Ware came in with a 52-yard run, finished with 96 yards and a pair of touchdowns while filling in for West, who injured his hamstring. Uh, I mentioned Dontari Poe. Uh, getting the touchdown as well in the first half. By the way, in the first half, Dontari Poe was the only player who scored a touchdown, which I had to chuckle about that one for a moment. But, uh, you know, pass catchers, Alex Smith did a really good job of getting a lot of players involved. Uh, There was no uh, wide receiver nor a tight end that had an eye-grabbing game from the Chiefs. But, you know, that's because Smith distributed the the ball to a lot of different guys and the running game took over, uh, which, which I'll take. Uh, Smith distributed the ball to six different wide receivers and tight ends, threw the ball to eight total players when you include the running backs, West and Ware. So that's really all I have to say about the offense. Uh, they took advantage of some of the takeaways, uh, trying to trying to make the most out of it. And, you know, anytime the Chiefs didn't get a score, you had Dustin Colquitt, one of the best punters in the National Football League, go in there and pin the Chargers deep in their own territory, which Jamal Fleming, uh, of course, came up big. He had that fumble recovery off that muff punt. The Chiefs couldn't do anything about it, so Colquitt punts it away, and Fleming comes back uh, real quickly and helps to pin him deep inside the five-yard line. If I'm not mistaken, it was right at the one- or two-yard line. So those special teams' plays go a long way for for a football team and football players get rewarded for that you know look the coach will say hey look you've been working your tail off on special teams i'll give you a couple snaps on defense or on offense whatever position you play so you'll get that i mean i'm sure jamal fleming will probably be favored a little bit not too much of course to get some snaps as, as a defensive player too in terms of the defense Tom Bahali and Justin Houston, they proved, again, why they are the best pass-rushing duo in the NFL. Holly had two sacks, and he's really come alive the past few weeks. Uh, off to a very slow start, but ever since that Steelers game, Tom Bahali had just one sack during Kansas City's 1-5 start to the season. Now, after those six games... In the last four games, Holly's had four and a half sacks. That includes two games where he's had two sacks. And Holly is two sacks away from passing Neil Smith to be the uh, second most in Chiefs history for total sacks in, in franchise history, which is which is huge, uh, c- considering how many great defenders the Chiefs have had over the years. And I, and I know not all of them spent a long time in Kansas City. Guys like Jared Allen, uh, Eric Hicks. Uh, but you've also had some top-tier guys, guys like Neil Smith and Derek Thomas, who've done so much for this organization. And I'm sure Justin Houston is going to climb up, uh, especially with that long-term contract he signed in the offseason. So I'm sure he's going to, at some point, get up there with Neil Smith and Tom Bahali, maybe even challenge DT 
for uh, for his sack total, but you still a long ways to go. Nonetheless, uh, Tom Bahali has really come alive. And I said before the Steelers game, I said Tom Bahali's really been uh, not necessarily a liability, but a guy who just hasn't shown up. And of course, next thing you know, he proves me wrong, and I'll gladly be wrong in that case. And hey, look, Tom Bahali's personally my favorite player. I, I love seeing this guy play. I think what he did in the offseason, taking less money, so many Chiefs fans just loved seeing that move from Tom Bahali. So a lot of Chiefs fans excited to see him now go on a tear and have those four and a half sacks during Kansas City's four-game winning streak. Another player who's stepped up in this game, Derek Johnson, had a heck of an afternoon uh, leading all defenders in this game with nine tackles. In fact, Pro Football Focus rated Holly the best 3-4 outside linebacker for Week 11 and Johnson as the best inside linebacker for Week 11. And also, Dustin Colquitt rated the second best punter this past week. So, uh, Chiefs players all over just making plays and also getting known. So, it's great to see the Chiefs uh, get those kinds of ratings. And Pro Football Focus, a very... Very reliable source. A lot of on their website, I think they say that 19 NFL teams have hired them as uh, as analysts, basically, uh, and, and they share their information with those teams. I don't know if the Chiefs are one of those teams. I, I hope they are because I think it's a really reliable source. The way they rate uh, rank things and rate them, uh, really great. And, and of course, fans can subscribe to those as well. Uh, and I think it's a it's a fun investment for fans. If you're a, I mean, obviously being you know in the media and as a blogger and hosting this podcast, you know, of course I, I use it a lot. A lot of people in the media use it, but I think even even if you're a football freak, a guy that just loves the game and can take in even the geekiest, smallest stats. If you're a stat geek like me, I think it's a fun investment as, as a football fan, especially if you're a guy in fantasy football who who wants to to get as much information possible. So that's all I'll say about that. But in terms of just this game overall, uh, pro football focus, giving a lot of praise to Holly Johnson and the Colquitt as well. And I mentioned Colquitt had a really good game and got a little bit of help from Jamal Fleming as well, being able to pin the Chargers deep in their own territory. The defense overall just shut down Phillip Rivers. Like I said earlier, uh, regardless of being competitive, and I know the Chargers are 2-8, and eight, and again, I know what I said a moment ago, you are what your record says you are, uh, and of course there are some pass catchers who are banged up. It's Phillip Rivers at the end of the day, and the Chiefs showed up, and they really impressed me. I, I, I thought Phillip Rivers would have had a 300, even a 400 plus passing yard game, and the Chiefs didn't even allow that to happen. So the Chiefs definitely did a number on the San Diego Chargers and uh, the uh, Phillip Rivers. Uh, that this is, what you all, this is all you can ask for as a Chiefs fan, a chance at this point. Going into Week 12, having a wild card spot, and a really easy schedule. Not a single team in Kansas City's remaining schedule is above 500. If you are not optimistic, I don't know what else to say. And I know, you you can't ever get too confident, but I think that's more for the players and the coaches. As fans, I think we we can have a bit of an ego. I think we can be a little overconfident. There's a reason. Reasons, I should say. There are reasons to really feel good about this football team eh? and the way they've improved. And again, I understand. They're not beating up on a lot of good teams. The, the, the biggest win, of course, is Denver. But you want to have more uh, more credible wins. And for the Chiefs, I think they'll, they'll have that opportunity in the postseason if they make it there, which I'm confident they will. 
But for right now, they've got a four-game winning streak. They're beating who they are asked to beat. It's not like college football. And again, I know I made the KU comparison, but a lot of times in college sports, if you're if you're beating up on bad teams, on, on programs that people who haven't heard of, you're not going to get ranked. In the NFL, we don't have a ranking system. It's just who can win the most games, and if there's a, there's a tiebreaker, who, who, who can win in tiebreaker situations? And the Chiefs right now are winning games, and they're winning in the tiebreaker situations. And I will say one last thing before we get to our Around the NFL segment. I know being 5-5 five and five and owning a wildcard spot, that clearly means that this is a down year in the NFL. However, that is a good thing in the NFL because that means a lot of teams, a lot of teams still have a realistic shot at getting into the postseason. I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine, and I told him this, and, and I convinced him, and he had agreed with me. Look at the AFC right now. Chiefs, Bills, Jets, and Texans, all 5-5. Five and five. Raiders, Dolphins, and Jags are 4-6. and six. Now, the Texans, I'd love to be the Texans, because they're tied with the Chiefs for a wildcard spot, even though they don't own it. They're also tied... With the Colts in the AFC South. Now they're not uh, winning. They're not leading the division. But they have two ways they can get in. Nah, 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 that's besides the point. The point is in the AFC. There are seven teams within one another. And in the NFC. you got the Falcons who have a six seed. With a six and four record. And then you have the Bucks and the Seahawks. Right behind them. At five and five. So three teams within one another right there. Trying to fight for a six seed. Then you have the Redskins, the Rams, the Eagles, Saints, and Bears all at 4-6. and six. So you have those five teams at 4-6. and six. You've got the Bucks and Seahawks at 5-5. Five and five. That's seven teams right there that are just a game or two behind Atlanta. The reason I say this is good for the NFL, and I'm saying this from a business standpoint. Let's just use the Chiefs as an example, since you're all Chiefs fans listening to this. Not only are you back at it with the Chiefs and you're watching the Chiefs, you're also scoreboard watching. You want to you want to know if the Lions beat the Raiders this past week. So you probably switched the channel a few times just to check on that score. Now, I should say that that was actually a noon game. So if you have DirecTV or if you have NFL Red Zone, uh, you certainly watch that game. Broncos and Bears? That was a noon game also. I'm sure a lot of Chiefs fans tuned in for that game. Bills and Patriots on Monday Night Football. If you're a Chiefs fan and you had nothing to do, you definitely tuned into that football game because you want to know if the Chiefs are going to overtake the Bills for that wild card spot, which they did, of course. And of course, I, I was paying close attention to the Jets and Texans in which the Texans winning definitely helped, even though the Chiefs are tied with them now, but... The Chiefs did defeat the Texans, so they own the tiebreaker against the Texans and against the Steelers if they end up being tied with them. Now, the Bills, that's a huge one. And we're going to get into that when we preview the Chiefs and Bills. But first, it's time to go around the NFL. All right, well, I mentioned the Buffalo Bills, so let's get right into it. If you... We're scoreboard watching. Surely you noticed the really terrible officiating in the game between the Patriots and the Bills. Look, here's what I have to say. I hate to be the guy who blames the officials because I think there are always multiple reasons as to why a team won or lost 
the officials are not the only reason, even if they had a bad call in certain cases. Now, I will say, I think the bad officiating, which there was bad officiating for both sides, but I think it benefited Buffalo more than New England because that inadvertent whistle, which Tom Brady found Danny Amendola, the the officials blew the whistle. The Buffalo, obviously all the players stopped because, you know, you, you play until the whistle's blown. Next thing you know, the Patriots don't get that easy touchdown. Amendola had nobody in front of him. No one was going to stop him. He had a touchdown right there, and the officials took that away. Now, the Bills also got screwed over late in this one, as Mike Tirico said, a screwed-up night of officiating. I mean, that's the quote from him. You look at the Bills in that final drive. Sammy Watkins catches a pass and rolls out of bounds to try and stop it with a second or two left, and the officials... Let the clock roll, giving the Patriots the win. Now, now sure, you, you, you know, Hail Mary may be rare, but at least be given a chance. And the Bills were not given that chance. The league's got to do something about this. That can't happen. I want to touch on the Cowboys now, who started off 2-0 with Tony Romo, but the broken clavicle sidelined Tony Romo for quite some time. That forced Brandon Whedon to get some starts. The Cowboys traded for Matt Castle, and they had him start some games, and they went 0-7 with Castle and Whedon combined. Tony Romo comes back for the first time, and the Cowboys win, so the Cowboys are 3-0 with Tony Romo. Slow down. I know the Cowboys are two games behind the Giants in a very... Like I said with the AFC wildcard picture and how the Chiefs have got in, the Cowboys even have a chance. At three wins, 3-7... and seven, the Cowboys are just two games behind the Giants. And they're also favored over the Panthers this week. The line started at three. Now it's at one. Nonetheless, the Cowboys are favored, which is crazy for this week on Thanksgiving. But look at the schedule. You've got the undefeated Panthers. You've also got the Packers. Also the Bills, who we all know are going to be fighting for a wild card spot, as will the Jets and the Redskins twice. So this is a very tough schedule for the Cowboys. Just because Tony Romo's back doesn't mean you're going undefeated. Sorry, Cowboys fans, but there are definitely some losses, even with Tony Romo under center. Last topic I want to touch on, and I think this one is going to intrigue Chiefs fans the most because it's uh, it's Peyton Manning and it involves the AFC West, but there was a report from Mike Florio from NBC Sports that he will reportedly play in 2016, even if it's not with Denver. However, Mike Liss from the Denver Post came out and refuted that report saying that a source close to Manning uh, said that Manning was incensed with that report and that rumor. Here's what I'll say. Let's just say Peyton Manning does want to come back in 2016. He's not going to do it as a backup quarterback. Sure, he could. Uh, fans will say that how great of a backup he could be for somebody, uh, maybe a young quarterback in the NFL, help them flourish and, and develop their game. But let's face it, Peyton Manning's not playing in 2016 to help coach up another guy. Peyton Manning's going to play one more season, if he does, because he wants a championship. And he wants to start. And here's the thing. Peyton Manning has played so poorly this year, I don't know who would take a shot at Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning wants to play for a championship caliber team. And a lot of these championship 
caliber teams, they might not be willing to take Peyton Manning because odds are if they're a championship caliber team, they have a good quarterback, a reliable one, which Peyton Manning is not. However, I will say, even though Brett Favre looked really bad for a couple of years in his final year with the with the Packers, of course, he made it to the NFC title game, falling short in overtime against the Giants. Uh, that, that stint with the Jets, that was forgettable. Really bad season for Brett Favre that year. Even though he had a bad ending with the Packers and a bad season with the Jets, look what happened when he joined the Vikings. He had the best season, statistically, to start off. And that led the Vikings to an NFC title game. Sure, the goal was to win a Super Bowl with the way the Vikings were going, but who's to say Peyton Manning can't follow Brett Favre's path? Look at Joe Montana when he came to Kansas City. So you never know. I think Peyton Manning still might have one more good season left in him. Sure, this is a bad season, just atrocious for Manning, but who's to say he can't bounce back? This is Peyton Manning we're talking about. This is a guy who's got so many accolades I wouldn't put it past him if he came back and improved in 2016, whether it's at Denver or another football team. Now, again, uh, Mike Kliss of the Denver Post came out with that report saying that Manning was not happy about it. So we'll see. I think only time will tell with that situation there. Let's get into it. Chiefs and Bills, perhaps the biggest game of the season Uh, For the Chiefs, Uh, I mean, this is going to decide, probably be the biggest deciding factor, I should say, as to whether or not the Chiefs or the Bills will make it to the playoffs. Now, the winner of this game obviously gets back the 6th seed, maybe the 5th seed, depending on what happens to the Steelers. And I should mention, uh, the Steelers do play the Seahawks on the road in Seattle. If the Steelers lose and the Chiefs win, the Chiefs will jump to the 5th seed because the Chiefs, uh, they'll have the same record as the Steelers at 6-5, and five, and the Chiefs defeated the Steelers earlier this year. So if you, if you want to drink some Kool-Aid right now, maybe a reason to feel good about getting the 5 seed, if the Seahawks can step up. By the way, the Seahawks still looking to go above 500 for the first time this year. So if the Chiefs win and the Steelers lose, the Chiefs will have the 5 seed. And, of course, having a win against the Bills, that'll create a huge gap in the wild card, uh, the wild card standings. Teams that are in the hunt, they're going to have a hard time trying to top Kansas City because the Chiefs will have wins against the Steelers and the Bills. And if they can come away with with a split against the Raiders, that is going to be huge for the Chiefs. Obviously, a sweep over the Raiders would be, that'd be a bonus. Now, realistically, I think the Chiefs will split with the Raiders. Nonetheless, the Chiefs have, uh, they control their own destiny. And they are in great position to build a gap between themselves and the rest of the pack. Wanted to throw that out there. Again, scoreboard watching, even though this is a bad year in the NFL, a down year, I should say, not a bad year. It's actually a good year, business-wise, because that means you're going to be scoreboard watching. A lot of fans, not only watching their team, they also want to know the teams around them. Uh, that they need to lose or, or, or maybe get some help from other teams. Teams, uh, Fans are going to be paying attention quite a lot, and teams too. No, there's no question about it that players will also be checking their phones as soon as they're done with their football game to check and see what's going on around the league. Maybe even look up around the LED scoreboard to try and see what's going on around the league. Uh, players do that when they have downtime on the sidelines. They do that. Now the Chiefs... This is only their third time playing at Arrowhead Stadium this season. Of course, you had one game that 
was played in London. And that's that's a home. The Chiefs were recognized as the home team, but obviously that was on a neutral playing field. This is Kansas City's first home game since October 25th against the Steelers, which the winning trend started. It will have been 35 days since the Chiefs last played at Arrowhead Stadium by the time they play the Bills. Let's start with Tyrod Taylor under center, who suffered an injury this past week. He's listed as questionable for now with a right shoulder injury. Uh, Fox Sports reporting that he should be healthy enough to play on Sunday, and ESPN reported that Rex Ryan said that he expects Taylor to play. So it's very likely Tyrod Taylor does play despite the injury he suffered on Monday Night Football against the Patriots. Tyrod Taylor, 11 touchdowns, Four picks, has not thrown an interception in the last four games. And you look at Alex Smith, he's had a very similar path too. Uh, I forgot to mention this, he did just pass Steve DeBerg for most consecutive passes without an interception. He had 228 going into this game. Steve DeBerg's record uh, was 233 in 1990. Smith right now holds the record at 253. Alex Smith's last interception came in week three against the Green Bay Packers. He had two against the Denver Broncos. Alex Smith also had two fumbles against the Packers. Didn't lose any of them. Alex Smith has only committed three turnovers, and they all came in week two and three of the NFL season. So it's been a while since Alex Smith has turned the ball over as well. So you've got two good quarterbacks that know how to take care of the football in Tyrod Taylor and Alex Smith. And again, looking more at Tyrod Taylor, who's more of a running quarterback, kind of similar to Russell Wilson. Michael Vick, of course, uh, might get the most comparisons. I would also throw in Teddy Bridgewater from the Minnesota Vikings. I, I think those are the similarities you draw when you look at Tyrod Taylor, who's getting his first year as a primary quarterback for an NFL team. A uh, four-year veteran hasn't really had much of an opportunity, and here he is. He outplayed Matt Castle, who was with the Bills at the time, and E.J. Manuel, who was drafted in the first round, the only quarterback drafted in the first round in the 2013 NFL draft. Again, looking at Taylor, he threw three picks against uh, the Patriots in Week 2, threw one against the Giants on October 4th. Uh, he did miss two games between then, suffered an injury, but he has not been picked off in his last four games that he's played. He's completed 68% of his passes, so a very good season for Tyrod Taylor statistically, and he's helped the Bills uh, be competitive this season. He's fourth in the NFL in completion percentage and sixth in the NFL in passer rating with a 100.9. Now, in case Tyrod Taylor is not playing, you should expect E.J. Manuel. Uh, again, Rex Ryan said he expects Taylor to play, but on the off chance he does. And here's a quick look at E.J. Manuel. Uh, completed 62% of his passes. He's 52 of 84 for 561 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions in the uh, two games where he's thrown the football. He's played. In, he's appeared in four games total, but has only thrown in two games. LaShawn McCoy, the running back who Andy Reid drafted in Philadelphia. Andy Reid obviously very familiar with him. Uh, so he can really uh, better prepare this defense because of his familiarity with McCoy. McCoy has run for 100-plus yards in two of his last three games. In fact, in the games where he has had 100-plus uh, rushing yards, he's logged exactly 112 yards in each of those two games. He got 82 yards on the ground on Monday Night Football against the Pats. Uh, worth noting, though, he's at 100-plus yards of total offense in the last four games. So... 
he's really helped uh, move the football for the Buffalo Bills. Carlos Williams, another guy who's actively involved in the backfield. He's got five touchdowns this year on the ground. Seven total altogether. He leads the team in that category. So Williams, definitely a scorer for the Buffalo Bills on offense. Sammy Watkins, uh, of course, a, a big name rookie receiver last year. Showing a different side of himself this season compared to last year. He has just 368 yards. Now, that could be due to the quarterback shift. As as, as I mentioned, Taylor is more of a scrambling quarterback. So you, you, you see a lot more running plays in the playbook for the Buffalo Bills. And that's resulted into less action for Sammy Watkins in terms of a, a, being a, a receiver, getting some stats through the air. Robert Woods and Chris Hogan, also part of the receiving game for the Buffalo Bills. Chris Hogan, by the way, tied a season-high five catches. His best game in terms of receiving yards happened this past week, 95 yards. He's a deep threat, not an end zone threat, though, as he's only had two touchdown grabs this season for the Bills. Now, their leading catcher is tight end Charles Clay, who, like I said, uh, leader right now in, in both receiving yards with 422 and receptions, 41 on the season, has two touchdown grabs. Sammy Watkins has three touchdown grabs, which leads the team right now. There are four different players who have two touchdown grabs. Charles Clay is one of them. Robert Woods has two. Uh, Chris Hogan has two. And Carlos Williams, the running back who I mentioned, also has a pair of touchdowns coming out of the backfield. So uh, not a lot of big threats through the air for Buffalo, though I, I, I still really like Sammy Watkins. I don't think this is the right system for him. I think if he was in in a in an offense where it was pass heavy, I think Sammy Watkins would definitely be a 1,000 yard receiver and pro- probably finish with at least seven to eight touchdowns, maybe even more uh, under that system. But you know, sometimes you have to deal with the systems that you're in. And right now, Watkins has to settle with the role he's in. He still leads the team in touchdowns, so he's one of the primary end zone guys. Uh, but uh, he definitely wants a bigger role and. Knowing how good the Chiefs have been a little bit defensively against the run, I think the Buffalo Bills will try to still throw them off on the ground, but maybe even go with some trick plays and try to go through the air against this Chiefs defense. Now, looking at the offensive line for the Buffalo Bills, the left side, probably one of the best in the National Football League. You've got Cordy Glenn at left tackle, one of the better left tackles, especially in pass blocking. You've got Richie Incognito, a top-tier left guard, nasty run blocker. And then you've got center Eric Wood, who is probably one of the best centers in the NFL. Each of those three guys, Glenn Incognito and Wood, have allowed just one sack, each of them. So you know you're going to have a hard time with the right side, the right side of Kansas City's uh, offensive line and the left side of Buffalo's offensive line. So Kansas City uh, defense, I mean, this is definitely going to be uh, a tough yet fun challenge for the Chiefs. Now, the right side, not too good for Buffalo. You've got rookie John Miller. He's been playing a lot, but playing poorly, drafted in the third round out of Louisville. And you've also got Central Henderson, who is one of the worst right tackles in the NFL today. So if I'm Kansas City, looking at Buffalo's right side, which would be Kansas City's left side from a defensive viewpoint, I would stack up that left side. You know, get Allen Bailey uh, on that side. Have Dontari Poe shift a little bit to the left, and then next thing you know, uh, 
the Chiefs do have the greatest outside linebackers in the game, and Tom Bahali and Justin Houston, they can have one-on-one matchup with Central Henderson, and next thing you know, they're out there in the backfield uh, invading the pocket and tr- bringing down Tyrod Taylor. So I think that right side of the offensive line is going to give Tyrod Taylor a lot of problems. So I think it's going to be really, you've got to stack up that left side for the Chiefs defense, that front seven. You've got to be able to do that because that is how you're going to beat this Buffalo offensive line. Look, like I said with injuries, you take advantage of it. With this, with a weak right side of the offensive line for Buffalo, take advantage of it. Stack up the left side and attack them from where they're weak the most. And Tyrod Taylor won't see that coming. Now, I said earlier, I think Buffalo is going to try their luck with the passing game, even though they are ranked 29th, but expect them to still find ways to try and throw the Chiefs off on the ground with that running game, which is ranked 5th. You've got a really great running back in LaShawn McCoy, one of the best, but I think with Andy Reid's familiarity, I think that's going to hurt Buffalo in this game because Andy Reid, he knows how to prepare for for him. Uh, a lot of people were talking about the Bears and, and the Broncos this past week and how John Fox, he's very familiar with Brock Osweiler. He drafted Brock Osweiler there, and you know they coached him up. They had him study that playbook there in Denver. So, And, of course, the Bears' defense did do a good job of holding Osweiler and the Broncos to just 17 points, too. So I'm kind of looking at the same thing here with Andy Reid and I think Andy Reid, he, he'll prepare this defense very well when they face a, a good running back that Reid knows very well inside and out in LaShawn McCoy. And of course, Carlos Williams, he's very active in the in the running game. What we haven't seen so much with the Chiefs in terms of who they face, we haven't seen a quarterback like this in Tyrod Taylor. So it'll be interesting to see how Tyrod Taylor tries to throw them off, the defense off. And what he does, I, I know a lot of times these kinds of quarterbacks, we saw it with Tim Tebow, uh, they're able to attack defenses when defenses least expect it. And let's see if the Chiefs can do something about it. You've got a, a top-tier inside linebacker in Derek Johnson who could be used as a spy in, in this situation. You know you're going to get your pass rushers up front with Alan Bailey, Mike DeVito, Dontari Poe, and then, of course, uh, your exterior, your outside pass rushers with Tom Bahali and Justin Houston. So I think Tyrod Taylor will do some damage on this Chiefs defense with his legs, but I don't think he's going to be doing too much. I think the Chiefs are going to keep him in check. The offensive line, I think that's the biggest factor, uh, especially that right side. If you stack the left side, again, from Kansas City's viewpoint, it's the left side. Uh, If you do that, I think you're going to be just fine and you're going to limit this Buffalo offense uh, not a very good offense. Uh, I mean, they don't move the ball a whole lot through the air. They they mostly do it on the ground. And, you know, in terms of a scoring uh, stands, uh, they score 24.4 points per game on average. So uh, that's right in the middle. Of, I mean, that, that's above average. Uh, it's 10th in the NFL, whereas the Chiefs scoring 26.5 points per game. That's 6th in the NFL. So you've got some... You've got some good scoring offenses, but in terms of a, of a defense, this is Kansas City, uh, uh, Kansas City's chance once again to do something good and really prove themselves against a, an offense that's able to to move the ball pretty well. Uh, flipping, uh, to, I mean, just looking at the defense, seventh in the NFL total for the Chiefs, and just the way that they've been playing lately, Kansas City 
has allowed 19.8 points per game. That is the eighth best, tied with Green Bay. And keep in mind, the Chiefs have defensively beat up on these teams lately. Chiefs allowing just 9.8 points per game in the last four games on average. That is the biggest X factor for the Chiefs defense going up against this offense. Now, let's flip over and look at the Bills defense as they've got, I want to say a good defensive line. Last year, this was an elite defensive line. This year, they've kind of taken a step back. Bills have just 15 sacks on the season overall. Defensive end Mario Williams, he has three sacks. He did suffer a foot injury, so he's listed as questionable for this week. Jerry Hughes has three sacks as well, co-leading the team in that category. In fact, he's one of the better defensive ends in the National Football League this year. No tackle. Marcel Darius has a pair of sacks, one of the better nose tackles in the league as well. So the Bills definitely have some threats on that defensive line that can give Kansas City's offensive line some issues. Defensive tackle Kyle Williams. Uh, By the way, there are four defensive players with their last name Williams on this defense. Uh, Five of them total when you include Carlos Williams on offense. But uh, Kyle Williams, now I'm getting a mix up. Kyle Williams also has a sack on the season. Looking at the linebackers, not a good linebacking corp in Buffalo. Middle linebacker Preston Brown, not very good. One of the worst middle linebackers in the NFL. Outside linebackers in the 4-3 system, Manny Lawson and Nigel Bradham. Uh... Again, just just not very good. They're below average. I'm surprised Manny Lawson isn't better than what he is because of his speed as an occasional pass rusher, but it is what it is, and uh, this is a linebacking corp that's not very good, and Kansas City can get definitely get through them. But the cornerbacks, uh, I, I say Buffalo has a good group of cornerbacks, kind of similar to Kansas City's, uh, starting with Stephen Gilmore, who leads the team with three picks. Rookie Ronald Darby has a pair of picks this season. Darby is easily a top 10 cornerback this season. Maybe an underrated one. Hasn't had a lot of, hey, hasn't garnered a lot of attention. He was drafted in the second round from Florida State, a top rookie corner uh, for, for Buffalo. In fact, this game is going to feature probably the two best rookie cornerbacks this season in Ronald Darby and Marcus Peters. Now, the Bills don't have a a lot of good safeties on this team. Bakari Rambo, Corey Graham, not great safeties. So not a a lot of safety help there in Buffalo. Good corners, safety help, not so much. Uh, Special teams, Dan Carpenter, uh, he's made 14 of 17 field goals. That's not very good when you have uh, 17 field goal attempts, missing three of them. Colton Schmidt, uh, one of the better punters, uh, definitely a top 10 punter in the NFL, has a lot of similarities to Dustin Colquitt. So you're you're also going to have... A game that will feature two good punters. Overall, I do like Kansas City's defense. Or pardon me, well, I do like their defense. But I also like their offense in this game. Because whether it's Spencer Ware and or Short Kendrick West. I, I mean, gosh, the Chiefs have really been fortunate. Like I said this in the last podcast when Short Kendrick West, I praised him so much. West goes down with that hamstring injury and next thing you know Spencer Ware steps in almost gets 100 yards and I'm sure he's getting picked up on fantasy waiver wires right now but uh, this is a guy who came in and did a lot for the Chiefs when they needed it looking at Buffalo's defense 14th in points allowed allowing just 22.7 points per game 10th against the run tied with Seattle there and 22nd against the pass and also in terms of takeaways, very similar to Kansas City, the Chiefs 
have a positive 10 turnover differential. And the Bills, tied 6 with the Steelers, have a positive 5. Now, the, the Bills have committed 12 giveaways, whereas the Chiefs have 8. In terms of takeaways, though, the Bills have done some damage getting 17 and the Chiefs have had 18, so very similar in the turnover game. In fact, I'll be willing to say that even though Tyrod Taylor and Alex Smith have both done a great job not turning the ball over lately, I think in this game, both of them will throw a pick in this game. But I think it's going to come down to which team will have the better uh, rushing attack. Uh, you've got Shark Kendrick West and Spencer Ware, I, I think two guys who you can definitely rely on. And going into this game... I think those two guys can get the job done. You also have Tyrod Taylor, who I think he's really the best rusher for the for the Bills. And I know that's great to say because of LaShawn McCoy. But like I said, I'll say it one more time. With Andy Reid's familiarity with LaShawn McCoy, I don't think McCoy is going to be doing a lot of damage against this Chiefs defense. I think a lot of it's going to try to come from, at least, from Tyrod Taylor. So... When the Chiefs go out there, and the way the Chiefs' rush defense has played, I think they're definitely going to find ways to improve in this one again. I think they're going to find ways to... I think they'll, like I said a moment ago, I think they'll be able to hold Tyrod Taylor in check. I think Taylor will make some plays with his feet, but not too much. Not to the point where it'll uh, it'll mean much or make a big difference for the Bills. I still think the Chiefs handled them and I think they'll definitely dominate the, the turnover category. I think uh, the Chiefs are going to find ways to put Tyrod Taylor under pressure, and that's going to force him to throw some ill-advised passes. Uh, and I think you might see something similar to that Denver game where you have a pick party, where, where you have guys that uh, try to get involved, uh, and everyone's wanting an interception. So I'll pick the Chiefs in this one. I think it's going to be with uh, a few possessions. I think... I'll go. I'll go twenty-three to ten. I think the Chiefs can come away with a, a solid win here, and you know, even if it's an ugly win, you still find a way to beat Buffalo. You have a big lead against the Bills in the AFC Wild Card race. Not only do you have a game leading ahead of Buffalo, you also have the tiebreaker against the Bills. And if the Steelers end up falling to the Seahawks, which I will admit, my prediction for that one, I think the Steelers do win. But if the Steelers fall, the Chiefs take the fifth seed, and that's huge. These conference games are starting to come into to play now. It's starting to matter for the Chiefs. So if the Chiefs go out there, get a win, and get some help from Seattle, that'll be huge because the Chiefs will definitely build a gap in the wild card standings. Well, even if they, even if the Steelers don't win and the Chiefs win, they still build a gap in the wild card standings, and that's going to help so much going into the month of December. And I think the Chiefs will be in good hands and they'll get into the postseason. So I've got the Chiefs winning this one 23-10 at Arrowhead Stadium, improving to 6-5, and five, going above 500 for the first time since week one. It's been a while, but I, I, I think the Chiefs get back at it this week and win their fifth straight game. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Enjoy your Thanksgiving with your family. Uh, definitely do keep in touch with me throughout the week. Like my Facebook page. Look me up, Farzine Vesugian. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Enjoy the football on Thanksgiving and during the weekend. Uh, be sure you guys interact with me before, during, and after the Chiefs games. Love all the interaction. So be sure we keep that up. Let's continue to do that this week in week 12 and hopefully come back on this podcast and recap a fifth straight Chiefs victory. Until then, 
Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you next week on the Chief Zone Podcast. Take care.